Hello, and welcome once again to Neurologic. I'm your host, Leo Jones. Hi guys, welcome to KC Caffeine. My name is Jason. And uh, in honor of Autism Acceptance Month, we have decided to do a crossover podcast extravaganza. Uh, Blue will be here momentarily. She is getting some stuff ready, but I figured we should go ahead and get started. Um, on this month, in this episode, we will cover intersectionality, uh, what it is, how it applies to the autistic community, and what are the similarities and differences in comparison to other communities. Um, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm actually pretty good. Um, I've really been looking forward to this because this is something that is not talked a lot about um, in the outer autism community, and by that, um, we described it in my last episode, but there is the autistic community, which is to put it simply, full of uh, autistic individuals, those who are actually diagnosed and consider themselves autistic. And then outside of that sphere, you have the autism community, which is like parents, professionals, others along the line, anybody that rubs shoulders or elbows with autistic individuals. So in that autism community, this isn't really talked about. Right. Most of the time, autism is considered a, a straight white male uh, disease and referred to as such. So, which all those things are completely erroneous and completely wrong. So, I've been looking forward to this. Um, I want to, to kind of see similarities and commonalities between what you've gone through personally, as well as Blue, and what can be found in the autistic community, especially among those who are not white, who are not straight, and who are not male. Right. Um, I actually thought this was an interesting uh, topic. Again, it's it's one that you know we've we've touched on a little bit in episodes past, but I thought it would be a good thing to kind of come back to again, mainly because I feel like we did we, we just kind of scratched the surface a little bit the last time, um, and we 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 weren't able to really dive deep, and you know we may not there we may not be, be able to dive deep this time either, but I feel like you know this is a conversation that we need to to, to have more often. Uh, plus, I just think you're a great person to be a guest on the show. Oh, well, well, thank anyway. you. I'm, I'm glad to be doing this with you. This is my, my first crossover, and it's the first podcast or one of the first episodes I've done during April, so it's a big, big milestone for me. So, um, as I said before, you were actually uh, one of the, um, I'll use the word, but I can't find a better one, one of the inspirations that I, to having me start my own podcast. Aww. Yeah, so because... <laughs> Because you did it, and and there, it was great to listen to. I thought, huh, maybe maybe I should do this because there's a lot I liked about it, and the control you have over that really resonated with me. So I've been glad to do it. I'm on. This will be the tenth episode, so that'll be good. We finally had 100 downloads, so that's over the course of all the episodes we've had. So yeah, doesn't that feel good? It does. It feels really good. Like we just hit uh, not to our arms. I feel like we're just about to spend. The next twenty minutes jerking each other off, but you know that's not what we're here for. But I just hit, and it's weird. And we just hit, uh, I think thirteen hundred wow, downloads. That's awesome. Which I'm like, oh, this is amazing. You know, it's because it's just me in my house with my friends. You know, and we're just talking about things that we, you know, that I feel like should be talked about everywhere. Absolutely, um, yeah. and I think it's how we make the world a better place is having these conversations. So the fact that there are that many people who have decided that hey, I'm going to listen to you know this loud homosexual and his friends have conversations, 
You know, I'm like, that's awesome. It does feel really good, and I, I hope that we both will continue. Um, but in regards to this episode, I, I kind of wanted to talk. I, I'm not exactly sure where to start because there's just so much. Right. There's just there's so much. I mean, and maybe I, I think I want to start with an article that I saw recently um, because I've got some bullet points here, but I'm apparently going to ignore them. Um, <laughs> one of the first ones was an article from NPR that stated African-American and Latino children uh, are often diagnosed uh, later than their white peers. And one of the things that still got to me a lot was whenever it said that um, autism spectrum disorder affects people of all races and ethnicities, but research shows that African-American and Latino children are diagnosed at older ages than white children. And I was kind of wondering, is this really due to parents not reporting as much to doctors? Is it because they don't have access to medical care because of the I mean, blatant inaffordability right. of insurance? Or is it because doctors are more likely to misdiagnose uh, these children uh, with conduct disorders instead of autism, such as oppositional defiant disorder or the like? Well, I think it's a. I think there's a. There's a little bit of everything in that. I think that as I remember growing up, um, there was always this this idea that you know the spare the rod, spoil the child mentality, um, and. So in that, when there is a kid, there is a child, and I, I don't have children, so I can't speak for, and I don't have an autistic child, obviously, because I don't have children. So I, I can't speak for you know parents these days now, but I can speak to my experience growing up and having that there were children that were you know that, that thought differently. And I've always looked at at, at autism so much, not so much, and this might be wrong on my part, and by all means, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, as in a lot of ways looking at the world differently than the way that the normal people and I put heavy air quotes you're pretty, you're uh, pretty spot on you um, we actually use the term neurotypical which apparently now I've been told by some that those who are neurotypical uh, who have autistic children or know somebody autistic they see being called neurotypical as a bit of a slur which I'm like of all the things to be called <laughs> it's, like, it's like no we're not giving up that word insert hard eye roll here um but i think that it's it's when you don't understand something you know especially in 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 the black community there's always this idea that there are two ways that you can handle it you can either correct the behavior with spankings or violence you know and and i'm not saying that you shouldn't you know spank your children that's not my business you know but there's a there's the need to do that or give it to god i'm just gonna pray about it and there isn't a lot of, hey, let's figure out what the root problem is for this behavior or why my child is acting in this manner. And so there's that. And I think there's also, you know, the affordability of healthcare. You know, when you are trying to feed your children, you know, and one of your kids is acting up and you, you're like, I, I you can either feed my babies or figure out what's going on. You know, feeding my babies becomes what's most important and you know then the other thing that you see there's that stigma you know if, if there is a you know a child of color acting out it's seen as more of a behavioral problem and not necessarily a neurological issue um or or anything of that of that manner it's not it's it's more seen as oh this child is just bad you know not that there could be something else or they're just disruptive i remember when i was you know was growing up there was 
a kid, I used to babysit for. It's the first time I'd ever been, you know, around anyone who was autistic. And we knew, cutest little black boy ever. Like his parents knew he was autistic. I didn't know what that meant. They had done all of the tests. I, and the way that it was explained to me, uh, and up until I met you know you and other autistic people, I've always just kind of how I thought of it is that they're you you're looking at the world, whereas I look at the world through like a pane of glass. They're looking at the world with a pane of glass with cracks in it. I mean, it's right, right. It, it's actually it's. I mean, you're really pretty much spot on to a certain extent. Um, there's just different ways, but it's because it is, as uh, my previous guest said, um, Shana Geyer, it's born, not made. So from the, the hardest part is when somebody says, well, what it's like, what is it like to be autistic? I have a hard time describing it because I've never experienced not being autistic. Right. So it's like, usually when people put something together, trying to make, it's like, I, I usually will go with it because I'm like, if this helps understand that works, that's fine. That works perfectly okay. As long as it's not, you know, oh, you're autistic, then, you know, it's like you can't feel empathy or something like that. I mean, that we, we had that issue recently. Uh, a, a Duke University professor who um, was speaking at a uh, Unitarian church uh, described various leaders of the Libertarian Party as somewhat autistic uh, because they lack solidarity or empathy. And had a hard time with human relationships, well, <laughs> which, which I mean, I don't want to disparage libertarians. They're very unique people. <laughs> um, they have very, very odd beliefs, you know. But they, 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 at the in the entire realm of, of political beliefs, um, they're wacky, but they're not trying to actively murder an entire race of people. So I'm like, well, they have a spot at the table. Right. So, and but I saw this. I was like, so you're taking the parts of autism that you think you know and deciding to slam somebody with it, right? Which was just completely unacceptable to me. So, but with what you're saying, you're following through with that. Um, tell me more about your experience, maybe seeing this kid. Well, it was very, and I, you know, this was twenty more twenty more than twenty years ago. You're not gonna <laughs> you're not, not going to offend me, so you can. No, I, it's it's. Kid, I, right? I mean, it's a lot of it is trying to 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 kind of remember things. I remember there being a lot of times where I felt like I wasn't getting, you know, getting through, or I wasn't being effective because I was never one of those people when I when I babysit. I was never one of those those you know those babysitters who was just like there are kids that are in the room doing whatever. And I'm you know. I'm on the couch watching TV. It was always, okay, I'm playing with the kids. I'm interacting because that's what I'm there for. And so it was always, it was him and he had, a, he had a little brother and it was, you know, the little brother was smart and precocious and all of these things. And I'm not saying that uh, the, the autistic kid wasn't. He just didn't respond. He wasn't responsive. Um, he just wanted to sit and read his books and didn't and wanted to be left alone. And when he, you know, did have an episode... Uh, and again, heavy quotes. I was, I had a really hard time trying to, you know, calm him down or get him because I didn't see things the way that he did and I wasn't able to. And I was like, again, 13. At 13, I didn't know what, A, I didn't really know what autism was. B, I didn't know, I didn't possess the, the, the mind to try to, to try new things. So we would, I would then get upset and get frustrated. Right. And, you know, it was easier to remove him from the space 
than it was to try to find out what the issue was or what was going on or what it was he needed. You know, his parents never came and said like, oh, you did this or you, you know, you, it was never a thing of like physical violence or I was just removing him from the space because I didn't know what I was supposed to do or how to handle it. And we never had a conversation over when he does this, this is what calms him down. It was just like, hey. They didn't let you know or? I don't mean he was autistic, but like as far as like how to handle, no, there wasn't really any conversation about that. They just like, he's autistic, bye, we're going out to dinner or? Yeah, they're going out to dinner, you know, or there's this. And it was, you know, it was like, just leave it. Essentially, they were just like, just leave him alone. But I think a lot of it was at the time, they didn't necessarily know what to do either mm, you know this was a, they were they were relatively young you know they were in their early 20s um when you know when i was babysitting them so him so it wasn't like it was military so there wasn't a lot of resources or a lot of of you know these are the topic the, the tactics and things that you can use it was just like we did we're, we're all in this in the dark together mm. and so you know, he would come, but he, you know, he had a, he had a super close bond with his, with his mom. And so, you know, when she would come home, he would calm down and she would be like, I just, you know, I don't, okay. You know? And so, you know, in my mind for a long time, whenever I thought of autism, that is what I thought. And that was what my, cause that's the only interaction that I knew at the time. Cause at the time we didn't really have a spectrum. You know what I mean? They didn't really... It was, that was the weird kid. Right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so the term autism was just for those extreme cases. And, you know, now I can look and go, okay, now I understand that, you know, he's just, he, you know, he's frustrated because he's trying to communicate something that I'm not getting. And like, so now I can understand that. Whereas before I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Like, do you want something to drink yeah it's like you, you weren't given the tools to understand like this is what is going on here this is whenever he does the following this is his communication right. for food drink leave me alone you know don't leave me alone that sort of thing right and so you know for me and to kind of go back to, to what we were t- talking about like that's that goes speaks to you know some of the reasons why it doesn't get checked and why it takes so long for for you know, families of color to even look into that as a possibility is because they don't know. They're not given the tools to, you know, to to a accurately say is this a problem that I need to diagnose, or is this something that we need to figure out where what the root cause is on it, and is this just my child acting out because of you know whatever behavior, whatever what, any other reason, or you know I don't have the you know the the financial means to you know, pay for doctors to, you know, do, to, to run tests or I don't have, you know, you know, the time to take off to take right. a kid in and to get it, go through the two years of processing and accessibility, you know, all the, uh, accessibility testing and all the other stuff. Right. You know, or I can't, you know, or I can't, you know, I don't have the, 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 my health insurance because I work at some you know minimum wage job and health insurance is very minimal they're not going to cover these things yeah. so you know do i lose my you know standard of living which for a lot of them isn't much but do i lose that to figure out what's happening here you know for this child which then could endanger the lives of my other children um and i'm not saying that 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 you know that any of these things are valid or not valid 
You know, it just is what it is. I think it's more valid, especially because, I mean, if we look, if you look back at the research, when this was first being studied, um, as I would say through Osberg's into Dr. Canner, he didn't study anybody else but white people. Right. Literally, it's all he tested on. So, and nobody really questioned that during that time. So it went through and over the decades, and then you've got to the 80s, and all of a sudden, nobody's really checking on this, and nobody's looking into how this works. The thing is, uh, according to the CDC, uh, the rates of autism are essentially identical across racial and ethnic groups. There's, there's no, the, the rates are not different. Right. So it plays no part in it. But when you look at the children and adults actually diagnosed, White children are 30% more likely to receive an autism diagnosis and 50% more likely than Hispanics, according to the 2014 data, um, which is not that long ago. I don't think that's changed that much. Right. So I think it plays, I, I think you're bringing up is, is much more realistic and much more factual than uh, than you might realize. It's, it's you know, and the thing, the thing about it that's sad is, you know, when you look at, at those rates and the things that, that you just said and then we look at things like prison rates and we look at um, you know the, the the dropout rates and graduation rates when it comes to you know, you know to minority households and you, you wonder how many of these people who are in prison or you know on the streets have some form you know of autism or on the spectrum that were not diagnosed and we still don't care yeah. You know what I mean? And it just comes down to that. Like, we're still just like, uh, you know, they did this. But the way that they, you know, the way that they are seeing the world isn't the same way that we see the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is a difference between, you know, um, because you said something, you know, you, you just mentioned about the, you know, empathy. I think that, the, 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 you know, not having empathy and, and I think that there's a difference to me between you know Asperger's and autism. I know that they're part of the, the same spectrum. Yeah, but I think that problem. there's, yeah. but I think that there's a there's a distinct difference between the two. Because Asperger's, if I'm you know, correct me if I'm wrong, that is the inability to have to to feel empathy and the empathy thing only plays into it because during studies, again going back into research, it was determined because we didn't react or that the test subjects didn't react in the socially normative way of empathy. Okay. The problem is that we do feel empathy, we just don't register it the same way. It's, it, they look at, well, you didn't register it the way, you know, I expect you to feel empathy, so then you don't have it. Okay. The, the absence of that is the problem, and they don't really talk about that too much. They just slap it on there as though, well, this is it. Well, not necessarily. For some autistics, um, they will represent it in different ways, such as, if you're crying, they might, you know, they might give you a tissue or might just, you know, leave you to it or something or give you a blanket. But it, they don't say, oh, I'm so sorry. There's, there's not the typical reaction. Others, though, actually feel empathy, but it's so profound, like they get overwhelmed with that feeling. Like right. if you're watching a documentary or something, you feel that it becomes so strong of an emotion so much that it is almost intolerable. It's almost painful. And so they kind of shut down from that. They feel it, but it's too much, and that hurts so badly they have to kind of push away from that. I think I'm closer to the shutdown one. I just don't do emotions <laughs> whatsoever. Like I don't like them. 
I would prefer that people not come around me with them. That's just me, though. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's they, they do feel them. And whenever autistic individuals, especially those who are with high support needs, who need devices to speak, whenever they give them a chance to communicate, they will say, no, I do, the, I do have these feelings. You just don't see them because I don't react the way you're expecting or that society deems is appropriate. So, so. Do, you, do you think that as, because when we think of, and when, when we and I say we in the, the the me sense, when I think of someone who, because there are people who don't have who don't experience empathy, um, sociopaths for example. The sociopaths for yeah. example. Uh, do you think of that as something that is that is also on the spectrum, or is that something wholly and completely different? Um, I tend to think it's a lot more different because the research that was done that we've had has been barely scratch the surface and oftentimes in the wrong direction. Okay. I mean, we've we have progressed in research over the past couple of decades, but I mean this honestly, we weren't really aware of autism until pre World War Two. I mean, you've got Hans Osberger researching it with his kids. Um, the Nazis come into Austria and people have always labeled him as a Nazi. Well, he had a choice, like most doctors, it was either um, you know, you leave and we're going to destroy all of these test subjects because they have a disability or you can work for us and study them and you can publish research under our name right even with option two to keep them alive but then you still have a bias on that research because it's only this select group of people and there's not enough diagnostic tools to actually make a difference in like okay this is what actually is being registered here because it's the traditional, well, they didn't smile whenever I showed them a happy picture or a picture of a dog or whatever. They didn't cry when they saw, you know, someone in the casket. But they've started actually moving that and diagnosing better. I mean, the, the number one reason for rates going up in this country for the past 10 years, they've looked at it, they've always said autism epidemic, autism epidemic. It's not true. Over the past three years, it's plateaued. One in 68, so far as it's plateaued. And that's not because of uh, power lines or vaccines or any other bullshit thing. It's because we've actually been able to detect better and diagnose better who actually is autistic. Right. Correcting for misdiagnoses, correcting for non-diagnoses. I mean, we have, we have middle-aged people getting diagnoses at this point. Right. The worst part with that, though, um, I've had my dad and my friend Ryan were diagnosed over the past few years they got a very different response when they went to the doctor it was well i can give you diagnosis but what good is going to do you right which is just i mean completely demoralizing because you're sitting there you finally learned something about yourself that you didn't know something you can research and look into and you have you're not just like i'm just weird or strange or broken no i have this and i can look at it you know, now you're being told, well, you know, okay, I can give it to you, but what good is going to do? It's not going to do any good because you've already, there's no, I mean, because it, it's, and it's interesting that you say that because that's a, a thing that happened the other day. As you know, while we're talking about intersectionality, um, someone on my feed who shall now remain nameless said, made a comment about there being, you know, way more gay people now than there were 10 years ago or 20 years ago or blah 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 and much like you just said with there being you know we're we're better at picking it up we're better at diagnosing we're more comfortable coming out now so it's not a matter of there being more of you know more people with autism or more gay people 
we're just now in a world in which we can actually say that we can actually come out come out and, and speak yeah. or it can be diagnosed so you know i just i think that's really interesting like that's an interesting thought like and i've always been like <laughs> is it that we don't have that we do have more autistic people or that we are able to now say hey that's what this is it's no longer just oh that's the kid in class who is weird and or that's the kid in class who does things that i don't understand yeah. it's now we can see this is what this is because a there's a history you know and a diagnosis and and, and we've seen this behavior in others with the same you know these same sy- symptoms yeah so you know, I just think people are dumb. <laughs> I mean, I say all that to say people are stupid. Well, I mean, whenever, you know, there's way more games. Like, no, actually, there were, it's been, like, if you look back through history, it's just that people are like, well, since it wasn't recorded back then, then obviously, I'm like, we didn't have, I mean, in the past, man, we've been alive, I mean, for, for three decades. Right. We went from, technologically speaking, dial up to, you know, we fiber optic cable at gigabit speeds. I mean, we, we went from not being able to talk to somebody across the world without using, paper and pencil right to now doing it in seconds flat like oh yeah i talked to this guy in amsterdam whatever you know that's you know we talked about this or that or something else i mean that's that's a major major sharp increase in sophistication right and i see that as you said with 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 uh medical diagnosis but for for him to say that i'm like no they've always been there's been the same as a matter of fact there is there is a i don't know if you saw this in the news the other day but um, the census for 2020, they just they put out a kind of a draft of what it would look like. And at first, people were excited because there was a question about being gay on the census. I did not know and that. And then, you know, people were like, we could, you know, because that's how money is allocated. And, and, and all of these, you know, resources and things that are, you know, we can get accurate counts of, of things. Well, they've taken that off. Because <laughs> so, they good. don't want to know. You know, of course, if we deny it, then it will just it, it's not there. You know, but it's 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 oh. a thing of you know, as long as we don't, and you know, I think that, that this is this goes with you know people of color and you know people who are assisting because I think there's a lot more in those struggles you know uh, for acceptance because you know we don't talk about um, you know we, we we talk about discrimination towards race and we talk about discrimination towards sex and towards gender and towards sexual orientation. But, you know, there is a clear discrimination towards, you know, people who are autistic and have this, you know, there's a bias. And I wanted to talk to you about one more thing before we, after we finish this. Um, but there is, you know, and it's not something that we talk about and it's not something that we bring, we bring up in conversation or is it something that we need to fix? And so I think that my second to last question for you um, would be what are, what are ways that you think we can have those conversations? And what are your experiences with that? You don't have to go into like, when I was seven, this happened to me. <laughs> like, you have to do all that. But like, you know, have you, felt, you know, experienced discrimination for being autistic? And if so, like, where, you know, A, how do we combat that? What do we do to, to... Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put the laptop down here for a second. Hopefully, uh, um, cause that's, that's, there's a lot there um, that I can unpack. So let me, let me talk about the first one. If I have ever experienced discrimination on that. Well, this actually goes into something I did want to talk about. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. You're perfectly fine with this. This is good. Cause this is, you're, you're following along on the same path I'm going on. And that's, that's perfect. 
Um, one of the things that I've talked about a lot um, is for some autistics, they're able to kind of cloak or hide who they are. For autistic women, camouflaging themselves is a very, very common thing, oftentimes to the detriment of their own, you know, self-identity. Um, and I don't talk about it a whole lot because I've been able to do that, but I was still able to be diagnosed. And because of the fact that I'm white, I'm straight white male, it was, you know, oh yeah, more likely, yeah, of course, you, you might be autistic. Um, but for a lot of autistic women, they weren't diagnosed till later in life because, well, <laughs> women are autistic, you know. They, right. they feel empathy, they get along socially, but that's not the case. Um, I haven't, I, I, a couple times I have been treated rather callously depending on the uh, auti aut autism advocacy groups. Not ones run by autistics, but one runs by, excuse me, ones run by neurotypicals. So organizations such as Autism Speaks and others, they have people there who would either treat me overly nice as though um, I was in the Special Olympics, which there's nothing wrong with that, but it was the, hi, oh God. how are you, Spent? it's so good to see you. You're like, I'm also... You know, I'm like, Here. I'm like, you know, what do you do now? And I'm, and I'm like, um, well, uh, I, I work in a bank. Um, I, I, wow, so you get to handle money? That's amazing. You're like, is it though? Is and it amazing? I'm just, <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, that's great. Uh, check, please. Uh, can I go? It's like, no, no. It, it, it's that side, which, and then of course you get the, you don't look autistic, which is an insult wrapped in a compliment. They don't kind of realize it when they hear that. It's like. Okay, but I am. Right. I mean, I can only imagine if if you got told, well, you know, well, you don't seem black. You know how insulting and offensive that would be. And I will say <laughs> that I am guilty because of when we when you first, I was like, you know, I didn't realize that you were autistic, and, yeah. and it's not that like. But th that's a little bit different from saying you look. You just didn't right. realize. That's when you when you said that to me, I didn't take offense to that because it was you just didn't realize. Right. Which was more a reflection of what I do when I handle myself in social situations. And I don't really disclose it because when I have, I've had that kind of effect where it's either been over the top, you know, you're an inspiration to, um, oh, well, you know, we're not going to let you handle such and such because, well, you're autistic. Right. I won't say it outright. I did have a couple of stories, actually, when I was chapter leader for uh, a local autistic advocacy group. Um, one was I was at a booth, manning a booth for a local Comic-Con. Just hanging out there, talking to people, whatever, just, you know, being out there and aware. And we had someone come, this lady who was running a merchandise booth. And she came up, um, looked at me, and started talking to, to our executive director, which I'm like, that's fine, I don't care. Let, let her talk to whoever, I don't care, it's fine. I'll hand out stuff and be like, yeah, here's, here's a pamphlet, whatever. Um, she goes into the story about her kit. Her 14-year-old son uh, is in high school. You know, he he does well with his grades, but she's not able to talk to him too much. You know, she says, hey, my son goes to school, comes home, goes immediately upstairs, gets on the computer. He gets on the computer, he talks to his friends on the computer, and he draws comics, and he sells them, and, you know, that's fine and all, but he doesn't talk to me. He doesn't talk to anybody, and I... I just, I don't know what he's going to do if he can't talk to people. So is there any way I could get him a job at, I don't know, like a grocery store or something where, you know, he has to talk to people? And I thought about that for a second and I broke down what she was saying, which 
the first one, I'm like, okay, you know, most teenagers don't want to talk to their parents that much anyway, so he's not really that far off. Right. Um, second of all, it, he is talking to people, but on the computer, which is increasingly common. I mean, we, we, I'm sure we both have friends from around the area and even probably around the globe that we've talked to at some point. Right. Know? So it's like, this doesn't seem that stretched from I mean, there are people that typical stuff. With, with the way that the world is now, like... For example, I run a D&D game with people, and most of them live in other cities. You know, we're, we, it's, we, I have friends that I've never met face-to-face, but these are people that I consider friends. It's just the world that we live in, so if he's, you know, online talking to people, you know, that's, that's just what it is. That means, that doesn't mean that he has any kind of social anxiety or anything like that. Some people just don't like people. Like, yeah. <laughs> but, he, but I was like, he's talking to people, so I'm like, that seems to be okay. And then what really caught my attention was when she said he draws comics and he sells them. And I was like, well, what website is he selling it on? Oh, he's selling it on DeviantArt. And all of a sudden, every gear in my head clicked. I'm like, wait a minute. You, you want to give him a job at a grocery store, but he's already got a career here. Right. Are you familiar with DeviantArt? He's making probably, he's making a... He's probably he, he probably has more money than you do. <laughs> like, I mean, <laughs> but you but you know what DeviantArt is? Yes, yeah. And for those of you who may not know, um, we're listening. DeviantArt is a is a very very um, I'm not going to say brutal, but very hard marketplace to get into. Now you can make comics for free and put them on there, but if you're sell if people are buying your stuff, you are good. Right. Nobody goes there and goes, oh, you tried so hard. Yeah, yeah I'll throw a few bills. Me. No, they no. will tell you your work sucks. This is terrible. You yeah. Could kill yourself. Yeah. They will tell you to kill yourself. Yeah. It is extremely a, a very, very, you know, blunt place to go. But if you're selling stuff, that means you have a future. You have a career. And I said, well, he's selling stuff on DeviantArt. That means he's seems like he's pretty good. And she's, oh yeah, yeah, he he does good stuff. He he does all the time. Like, well, it seems like he's got friends here. He's got a career lined up I said maybe instead of the grocery store see if he'd like to take classes in graphic design at maybe the local community college or online I mean if he doesn't want to go to a classroom he can do it online you know if he gets a computer that's powerful enough he can run all the Adobe creative suite stuff he can do that if he goes into this he's got a legit career and he may not make millions of dollars but this is going to be a field that's only going to be more in demand as time goes by. I said, this he seems like he's pretty well set. Right. Just talk to him and see if you want to do this. You know, go to community college, take the classes, and go from there. So I, I suggested all this, laid it out as best I could. She turns to me and says, oh, my son will never do that. Why not? I tried to explain it the best I could, and I just had to back up because I was going to, honestly, I was this close to shouting, very very close showing why the fuck not right he's already doing it yeah right? it's like he's you know he's already fucking doing it he's got it right there he's got his computer he is doing these things he knows what he's doing right you know honest i i, I want to i want to say honestly if you were my mom i wouldn't want to talk to you either maybe this listening. is why he's not talking because right, you, you don't listen yeah because you don't you don't watch what he's doing and you want to force him into a grocery store which is not going to help him with what he's doing you know graphic designers are in demand Nobody's really going to be like, oh, well, you know, he didn't talk to me about sports balls, so I'm going to go with somebody else. It's, right. you know, he does really good work. I tell him what I want. He produces it. That's it. Right. And they're, they're, they're just, some, I think there are people who just don't do, like, he has, he has found his place in the world and his happy place. And rather than trying to make him someone else's, you know, happy place, yeah, just foster that 
happy place for him. Well, but she didn't want that because she wanted. Ultimately, she wanted him to talk to her. I'm like, then you need to make, you need to meet him halfway. Meet him where he's at. Yeah, I mean, do reach out. I mean, you may not get what exactly you're wanting, but you're not reaching out. You're demanding that he do something that he is not going to feel comfortable with and may go against who he is. Right. So. I, I basically just kind of gave up. I'm like, okay, I'm no, no, I'm not going to explain this whole thing because if I do that, she's going to get angry and I don't want to be having to deal with somebody who just gets really, you know, I was like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't. Right. You obviously don't know what you're doing and your kid seems to be, seems to be fine. You know, they're going to raise enough money and then they'll move out and they, you'll ask why they're moving out and then he'll just be like, because I don't want to live here anymore. Because I just, I don't. Cause I'm, I'm out. Because I'm an adult and I don't have to do that. Yeah. Right, so the, the last thing I wanted to ask you about, there is a television show um, called The Good Doctor. I'm certain you've heard of it. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> I really wanted to yeah. get your thoughts on it because like for me, I don't watch it because it makes me feel weird and I don't mean that in like a, because it is, what's the best way to say this? Um, do you think it is an accurate depiction of autism in daily life? Because I just I feel like it's weird, and it just makes me. Well, I'll put out some caveats. Number one, I haven't watched an episode, and I probably will not unless um, I am encouraged to do so by uh, people that are closer to me. I'm like, no, I'm not gonna waste my time. Um, I did watch one episode of Atypical. And that was before The Good Doctor came out, and I absolutely hated Atypical. I thought it was one of the worst representations of autism. Um, have you heard about that show at all? Or? I've heard, like, bits and pieces, but I don't know. It's, it's pretty bad. Basically, they take a lot of the stereotypes about autism, and this character acts it out um, as he's going through high school. And it is it is horrible. It is just, I'm like, this This is not good. If, if people are liking this, I'm like, that says a lot. That's right. really bad. But in regards to the good Dr. Caveat, I haven't seen it, but from what I've seen in clips and from other people, it reminds me less of an accurate representation and more of a Doogie Howser savant-like thing. It is very much a Doogie Howser savant-like thing. Okay. So um, so my, my analysis was correct. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is very much that um, it's... And I think part of it is is it may be it's the way that that he speaks in it just kind of makes me go you don't have to like you don't have to do that like you know what I mean like it's it's yeah. very and it's I mean that was his choice as an actor and you know clearly people felt like that is you know great but I was just like you don't have to you don't have to do I don't know anyone who speaks stilted like. You know. And I don't know a lot yeah. of people who are autistic, but I don't know... Some do, but it also depends on the situation. Right. But the major problem I have with shows like this um, is that it's either they put they put the person, the center character, who is autistic, either they're having many deficits and many problems. Right. And they have these, what is commonly like, or you have these obsessions or these special interests. I'm like, well, shit, everybody has special interests. We just don't call it that because... You know, we consider them to be hobbies or, you know, things that you like to do. And, or on the other side, you have the savant, which is that they're amazing at something, but they have trouble with some things that we can use as fodder for further episodes. So, I, I don't think you're far off at all. And that weird feeling is probably from the fact that you have an understanding, like, this just seems very odd. It just seems very, like... People, people seem to like it better than atypical. 
by like it's not a bad yeah. show in the sense that like it's the the writing is good you know it's, yeah it's no Roseanne reboot so <laughs> the thing about the Roseanne reboot and this is actually a good because I want to this is a good place to end that portion of the show and kind of talk some pop culture stuff really quick that works yeah because um, yeah. we I can live to this because I do have some questions for you but. Let's. I, I want to talk about this. Too. This is because we we just have to do another episode some soon before the end of the month. Okay. Um. But let's talk about the Roseanne reboot for a second. Did you watch it? No. I did. Oh. This is why I watched it. Number one, I loved Roseanne. Loved it. We the t- first Roseanne. Me and my girlfriend do. We we love the old Roseanne. The old Roseanne is so. And I was like, you know, John Goodman is, is a national treasure. Like, he is amazing. I love. Everything about the old Roseanne. So I said, you know what? I'm going to give this Roseanne a chance. And it's not terrible. I will say this. This is what I said. I said, it's not as funny as the old Roseanne. It's not as political as the new Will and Grace. But it's also not as funny as the new Will and Grace. But as a general rule, it's one of those things where if it's on, I'll watch it. But I'm not going to go out of my way to seek it out. It's not like, oh, I've got to watch this episode of Will and Grace. It's going to be like, oh, if, you know, Rosanna's on the television, cool. Right. You know, there are some interesting things that they're doing with characters. I love the fact that Darlene's son uh, dresses in women's clothes and is unapologetic about it and doesn't care what you think. Um, and it, it, it brought up, in, and they do a really good job of, of addressing those issues in a, in the, very Connor but sensitive way um you so there are hints where you're like okay the they handled the you know Trump versus Clinton thing I thought they handled it rather deftly um they did a good job of okay of of kind of explaining where each side was coming from I don't think that Dan I think it's going to come out that Dan did not vote for Donald Trump um I think that's going to be a sticking point. I just feel it in my soul that that's going to be where it's going to where they're going to go with it. But I can't get past some of the things that Roseanne has done as a comedian or a person. No, neither can I. I can't. And you know, we didn't give. And someone made a comment, made a, a point on Twitter that I thought was really interesting that the same disregard for like Bill Cosby's career should have been given to Roseanne for some of the things that she has said and done but there will always be a place for controversial white women in in, in, in American culture I mean that's I, I, I don't think that's entirely wrong I mean because but at the same time I just I didn't I, when I, I remember when she first was on whatever night night show she was on and she said this stuff like okay well maybe she's just maybe she's one of these people that is completely unhappy with the entire system doesn't know where to go from here but is basically like I am completely fed up and over all of this and I was like I I could see that but then it was like okay I don't quite understand why you did this I mean what she said you know do you want pens I was like well no I mean we've all it's one of those like no, we, we don't want Pence at all because at least with this this dumbass in office, he will say I don't want to talk about it, and then he will tweet about it, or then say 
but and then talk about it. So he right. would tell us what he's going to do, even though he says, I'm trying to keep it a secret. So with Pence, though, it would be totally, I mean, I, I would definitely see. Pence is the most terrifying thing to ever happen to the, to, to me as a gay man and a black man and just a man in general human being, someone that breathes carbon, you know, brings oxygen and, you know, I, Pence is terrifying. Yeah. But, you know, I think that the difference where, where, where I, I think I have my issue with, you know, where to me, I feel like, okay, Trump is bad and Pence is worse, you know, but come on in. Blue's here, guys. Yay. Hello. Hello. Um, we are, Hi. we're in the middle of the podcast. Crossover extravaganza. Why don't we talk about uh, the new Roseanne reboot? He saw um, it. I, I watched I it. He didn't why, watch why it. Why would you watch that? Because, <laughs> again, I loved the original Roseanne. Or all the original cast is. All the, the, original all the original cast is there. Everyone is back. Okay. It's everybody. Um, it's like I said. It's not. I, 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 it's not bad. It's not. It's not something that I'm going to be like. Hey, let's go watch this you know let's let's sit down and watch Roseanne that's good but it's not gonna be something that I'm gonna be like if it's on I'm not gonna be like oh turn that off you know I'm gonna be like okay we'll see you know they handled some situations pretty well other situations they handled really badly in my opinion mm-hmm. um you know but you know, it's my understanding it was all handled badly but okay no this, <laughs> it's not all handled badly there there's like there it's not all handled badly but a lot of it is is but also there are people that are just that don't that are that are so upset with Roseanne as a comedian and as a person mm-hmm. that they can't take that out. I was able to I you know, we we've talked about this before when it comes to, you know, to our faves as far as celebrities, we have to we've learned, especially in the black community, to take away the person and just appreciate the art for what the art is. You know, okay. we have to do it with R. Kelly. We had to do it with, which who's still canceled. I don't care what anyone says. Uh, we had to do it with Chris <laughs> Brown, who's still canceled. I don't care what anyone says. Um, you know, we had to do it with Bill Cosby because I, for one, still love the Cosby Show. You know, but we've had to learn to do that to separate who the person, the the, the art from the creator. And so I can look at something like Roseanne and be like, I can see why it is for is for what it is, what people are upset about it and are feel their ways. But but she's terrible in real life and on her TV show. She is, but there's enough people around her who are not terrible on the TV show. Because again, John Goodman is a national treasure, and you won't take that away from me. Um, I, I I can see I, I feel, and I, I can understand that, but it's hard for me because I feel hypocritical by patronizing the art. And then the person is turning out to be a real... I mean, there's some people like, okay, I can deal with whatever you're doing personally because some of that I understand. But when it's like the Roseanne level of... Like, she is like two sentences short from putting on a red hat and marching around her neighborhood, waving a flag. She is. You know? And it's... and But the thing is... is I, I still don't think she won't do that. Yeah. I mean, no, there, yeah, there was yeah, an yeah, entire no, photo shoot yeah. with her dressed as Hitler... With the cookies. Wait, what? what? Wait, 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 wait. What? Oh, there's a whole photo shoot. You have to look it up. Um, I don't know if I want to look her, it up now. She's dressed as Hit- as as like Hitler in and out in a kitchen, who ba- baking Jew cookies. Yeah, we're done. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I'm done with it. There's no way I'm watching the Roseanne reboot. Really? No, no, that's gone. Yeah, it's, it was it was bad enough. Whenever I mean, it, it's one thing. Whenever she'll 
because we, we're talking about that, like that punts, you know, Pence is worse. I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. Like, all right, I'm gonna let that go. But then, uh, basically, calling that the the high school, the Marjorie, whatever his name was, the guy, the the, the kid from high school who's speaking up. The Hitler sent the Hitler salute thing, which it was a fist holding it up. I'm like, it's a fist. You would think people who are very familiar with Nazis would know what the Zieg Heil Nazi salute is. Most of them do, and they're not Roseanne. Because so. I was just like, oh, come on, really? And then that? No, no, no. Yeah, it's... it's so let's let's do... Let's move into the no, other great conversation. She was dressed as Hitler, apparently baking cookies. Baking cookies. It's, it's, it's the worst. Is that the same? It's the worst. I it, had, it was a couple years ago that this was, and I'm not you know making excuses. It just honestly, it seems it just, like a lot of white people were, have, have really wanted to put on a swastika in some way, shape, or form, and they think it's funny. And I, I don't understand. I really just, I mean, I, I do, but I don't. It's wow. like I've never felt like, oh yeah, this would be hilarious. Let's teach a dog to, you know, Zeke Heil. And I saw that on the news. I was like. I've never seen like, oh, this is funny. I'm like, this is not a funny period of time. This is a horrible thing. You know, there's other things like it. Why is this supposedly... Yeah, that's that it. Be- it's as terrible as it sounds, people. It, does, it is horrible. as terrible as it sounds. It's as terrible as it sounds. Um, and I feel bad for even... Now Now I feel guilty for even watching the reboot, but it's fine because I'm grown and I'll do what I want. Um, well, I'm glad you watched it because, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't speak for you, Blue, but mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm not going to watch it. Okay. No. <laughs> you're like we're not doing that no. so the last thing I wanted to talk about on this and I'm glad that you're here for this because uh, I've given y'all all of the time that I'm going to give y'all to go and see this movie spoiler alert and there ain't no spoiler alert you should have seen it by now it made over a billion dollars Yeah, everybody should have seen it at least once we're talking Black Panther y'all Yes, and how good it is and I won't even get into we won't even get into storyline elements like that but like how Shuri is the greatest person on the planet and I want her to be my little sister um wait what <laughs> Shuri is amazing yes she is amazing but now she's gonna be your little sister I want her to be my little sister she's awesome like what are those <laughs> come on now how did you bring back a meme from 2015 and make it it was awesome. I mean, it, there was no part of the film that didn't work. I don't say about many films. Like, I don't have many favorites. I don't buy that many, but I'm buying this on Blu-ray because it was just... Oh, absolutely. I, I was sitting there like, this is this was awesome. Don't scare me, colonizer. <laughs> Come on now. Perfect. Perfect. Perfect, perfect, perfect. She did have some of the best lines. She had the best lines in the film. Ooh, we have another one. Hi, Sarah Lynn. Hi. Oh. Come on, sit down. Have a, have a seat. We're in... Like, this is the greatest part about this podcast is that there's just... Well, you never know who's going to show up. It's like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. <laughs> so we're talking Black Panther. We just started talking about it. Oh, so good. So you. good. So let's talk Black Panther for a while. I, I saw it twice. Um, I saw it once opening night, and then I saw it again. I took... Uh, me and my partner took the girls here to go see it uh, the actual Friday of opening night. And... <sighs> Yeah, I saw it Thursday and Friday, and mm-hmm. I was going to see it. The next day was the day that we were hanging out with you, and I was like, we can go see it again three days in a row. I'm ah. cool. Let's do it. I remember that. I, I really thought about it, but then Laura got free tickets to one of the theaters. I'm like, we're going now. We're yeah. This is just like, are you sure? I'm like, I am absolutely, positively, definitely sure. It's like, we're going. I don't care what happens. 
Yeah, it was. It's amazing. Um, so let's talk about two. There's a couple of things I wanted to, to bring up about the movie without go doing super heavy into spoilers for like the six people in the world who haven't seen it yet. <laughs> um, like, get on it. Yeah. Uh, the Killmonger as a. Do you think of him as a villain or an anti hero? Ooh. Anti hero. I can't quite put him in villain status. Only because I completely understand why he is doing what he's doing. And when you look at his backstory. Yeah. I think that he is... I, I look at the same. I think he's an anti-hero. I think that this is someone who... I think that he is a, a character that could be anyone given his... That could very well have been T'Challa had the situations been different. Could very well have been... Um, any one of them could have done that been in there in that situation. And he wasn't there were a lot of things that he was saying that was not wrong. I feel like his methods were a little off, you know, and there was definitely some They were like, effective. They were effective. <laughs> well but here's the thing, were they off? I mean you're trying Honestly, to, I mean if you think about he achieved his goal. If if the movie was about him, his methods would not have been off. Because you would have seen him losing his father. You would have seen him growing up where he grew up in downtown LA, which is, you know, not. It's not great. Depending on the, <laughs> yeah, depending on the neighborhood great. that you grew up in, it's not fantastic. And then he went into the military and they trained him. He found a place where he fit and he found a family and that family taught him what they do. Right. And he was doing what his family taught him to do. So if the movie was about Killmonger, was he wrong? Right. I mean, given the situation and what was going yes, on, but it I, makes sense. It makes sense, but I also feel like the, the, the reason that I said that his, his methods were, because I got where he was coming from, but I think for me, you know, you did it, he didn't know T'Challa. He didn't, T'Challa was a, a symbol for him. And rather than, you know, so that, that kind of, that laser focus on I'm going to kill this man and take the throne is where I say he you know his method I don't I, I feel like his methods were off because but the only reason you feel that way is because you know you knew T'Challa's backstory before you knew Killmonger's I also felt that it was very in some ways distortedly selfless he's, I mean he's not he's not doing this because he just wants the power I mean, in the thing, he's like, we're going to do the following. This is going to be, we're going to make sure the people who are dealing with this, what I dealt with growing up, what I saw. I mean, he doesn't do this like, I'm just going to get power because, yeah, I want power. It's, I'm, I'm seeing all these people who are dying, who are being oppressed and basically living lives that aren't worth living because of what other people are doing to them. If they had this technology, this would change their lives. Right. So he's trying to fix, he's like, this, this needs to be fixed. And he sees nobody doing that. Then basically he sees it very selfishly harbored in one area that they won't share with anybody else. So his response is basically, you all need to shape up. This is what we're going to do. I'm taking control to correct a wrong. Right. But that, that also brings me to the idea of Wakanda in and of itself. One of the things that made the, the city great was, the, was that they had never been colonized. And the reason it had never been colonized is because it hid itself away. Um, for me, as a person of color, it was awesome to th this idea of what happens, what would have happened if we had allowed Africa to th to thrive and to flourish. You know, what would have happened if 
there had not been colonization. And um, although I still have a problem with that, you remember the town? Mm-hmm. All of that technology, all of the non-colonization, and everybody's still living in huts. Can you help me out here? Well, no, 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 <laughs> see, the thing is, and and and, the, and I and I, I struggle with that. You mean that that's outside of the city limits? Yeah. Well, no, no, because that was in his town. Well, this is the thing. It's outside of the outside of the city. It's outside of the castle, or outside of his. Oh, home. like when they're walking but through. When they're when walking through the stronglands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They're walking yeah. the streets. Yeah. They're still in huts. It kind of looks like um, Agrabah. Well, but you, know? you, but you also have to, to, to think about well, it. In so this, is, this place is so technologically advanced, but you can't get real houses for these people. Well, if you, I mean, <laughs> if you, look, but the thing is, is that, that, that this is a <clears throat> that you are looking at that in the sense of these that we don't know what their creature comforts were. And if you were a king who was trying to serve your people, why do they look so underserved? But I don't think they looked underserved. But to me, I don't think they looked underserved. They, they just when you they are closed up, they are closed off. So if you are closed off and you don't see, so they're not looking at housing or or the city structure so in the same way in which we see it because we see other cities and we see other technology. All they know is Wakanda. Well, we didn't. Did we ever see the inside of those huts? Because we like, didn't. Because may, maybe the outside is done in a, like in a more. I don't know. I'm, Traditional. I'm, I'm, throwing, I'm, I'm just trying to. Think. I never even thought about it like so that. So just, everybody's yeah. trying to help. Just, just like, so, something <laughs> that's like environmentally friendly. I don't know. Maybe yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe on the inside it's completely like different. But on the outside, it's this way for energy saving. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, don't, I say, don't know. I, I I think you have a point. They fixed I a guess. guy who lost his arm, and they fixed another guy who had a spinal injury. You see my point? I do see your point, but I think that we we again look at. But I think we're also looking at space. that through our lives. Well, no, you, we go into their space in the the lab area. Her lab is decked out. Yeah, it's That's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> well, it maybe the amazing. inside of their houses look like the labs. We right, like we don't. Yeah. We it's it's. But you it, hit the streets, and it's like. Wait, what and happened? You know, there, there were there were carts. There, there were the vibranium carts that were going around. Like we don't know yeah, what. They had flying cars. Man. We don't know what their well, lives were. Wait, wait, but they had like they had five tribes though. There were five tribes. And maybe we will get to one of those in a second. Maybe because of that. Maybe that's because there's a certain cultural aspect, which is we will live in this way, such as I know, can see that for the guy who challenged T'Challa. Mbutu. Yes, that was my favorite character. He's, I'm, I've got to call it right now. I can see it for uh, him because they were still doing furs and they were living high up in the mountain area, and so I could see it for them. But when you get into the main city, I couldn't see it. <laughs> When he asked them if they were done, <laughs> are y'all done? I said, that is me. All of this, this love, flourishing, remote, emotional. Are y'all done? That was, to me, it was the strongest character because there was such just real moral and ethical standards there that was just not, he didn't freaking waver from Well, because he didn't, like his, his thing was, is he didn't. He, while he did not necessarily agree with the things that T'Challa was doing, he recognized that T'Challa is the king of that nation, and what we're and and so he is the person who should be in charge. And what like there was this recognition that there is a we can understand where he's where he's coming from and where what his and where his what his methods were and what he was trying to do. You know, at the end of the day. The reason that Wakanda was not colonized is, colonized is because they didn't know it was there, sure. and 
you know, they didn't know what the resources were. And so the idea is as soon as they, you know, as soon as the colonizers know that that resource exists there, you know, it then becomes a, you know, target. a target, yeah. which like if you look at comic books and things like that, you know, the Wakanda in the comic books, they do, it does become a target. It does become, now people want to, you know, to come and take over Wakanda because they, they see they what's have. there, and yeah. they see that there, there that there are resources there, and so it, it's it's a double edged sword. And I think that that's the the that's why I feel like the the country itself is such a a, a great character. You know, we look at this as a setting, and there there's a there's a rich history in 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 of the the idea of this is a country that has never been taken over. It is a country where it allowed the African people that were there to flourish. Even Ubuntu and all of the other tribes, they were allowed to just kind of live their lives. And this is where, you know, uh, uh, you know, what is the word? Evolve at their pace. Yeah. You know, and it, to me, uh, you know, as it's also, this is what could have been. You know, right. not necessarily with the vibranium or all of that stuff, but this is what could have been. Mm-hmm. You know, this is Afri- Africa could have been, when you think about the, the resources that are in Africa to begin with. Oh, yeah. You know, what could Africa have looked like had it been left alone? Um, so there's that. You know, the other the, the, the other character I want to talk about because um, is uh, the Mbutu as a character. Mm-hmm. And that, first of all, I want his throne. With the, the, that was an awesome throne. The, with the, just the sticks, I was like, who would have thought <laughs> that just hanging some random logs on your would look so damn good? Ryan Coogler, like, did a great job as you know directing this movie, and so many little things that like like when they're in the scene in Tokyo, and Lupita's in uh, green, and um, uh, why can't I think Chadwick's in the black, and what is her name? The one who plays Michelle, but yeah, is in the red. So when they're standing there, it's the African flag. You know, and when I she pulls, that. yeah, they're in. It's red, black, and green. I didn't know if that was intentional or not. It's, just, it was intentional. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like it, and when she takes the wig and throws it at the guys, <laughs> I enjoyed every, every fight sequence. The, the, I mean, I, I I'm kind of a car guy, so all of the car, all, all the chase sequences were just extremely appealing to me. And I'm those like, were awesome. Oh, oh, I, every those the, were amazing. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was telling Gideon earlier, my favorite scene is whenever. The general cuts off the door of the SUV, just throws it at the guy, just bam. Oh. I was just like, that was, I just was like, oh. Yeah, and there was another line that I feel like doesn't get doesn't get a lot of attention, but um, I think it's really important when it, it's right towards the middle of the movie, um, right after the the Tokyo scene when he's when you know Black Panther has uh, can't remember the guy's name. It's been a while since we watched it. Um, oh, the bad guy. The bad guy, and 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 she says, you know, everyone's yes. watching you, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's it's this idea that no one. He now he is a representation for an entire nation. The entire nation, you know. Whereas this guy, you know, who does these terrible things, just gets to be the victim, right. you know. And it doesn't matter what, what he's he done. It's you know, now black he, like he has the potential to just become a villain from that one mistake, 
or that one, not even a mistake, because had he killed him, a carriage of justice, yeah, right, you know, and what's who, what, who in his right as the king would have been in within his right to do so, mm-hmm. you know, because this guy committed crimes against his nation, mm-hmm. you know, had it been anyone else, we'd have just been like, well, just is what it is. I mean, we've seen we've seen Captain America and Thor, you know, kill people indiscriminately throughout the series and you know this he had he carries his entire nation on his back you know and that one mistake and it's just I just like that was one of the things that just kind of hit me and I was like wow you know the there are these very throughout claw. huh claw claw there are these very through pepper throughout the movie are these very like prescient you know lines that you know if yeah, that I didn't catch the first time I watched it. The first time I watched it, I was like, that was just a great movie. You know, this is just, it was amazing. But then the second time I was able to kind of dig in and, you know, and say, okay, oh, wow, that was, that was really good. And, you know, that last, you know, scene with Michael B. Jordan, Killmonger having that conversation where he talks about how, well, I can, you know, we can save you. And he's just like, no, bury me, you know, under the sea with my ancestors. Yeah, it's, it's just like all of these these little moments where you're just like, wow, you know, it, it perfectly kind of encapsulated that feeling of the black experience. You know? Well, speaking of little moments <clears throat> that I think can get lost if you don't look at the context or if you're not looking from a particular perspective, what I really enjoyed was the female presence. All the badass women. All, and you know, it was so nice to have a culture that celebrated their women, that didn't keep them under their thumb. Like if you look at, um, you know, the lab and the STEM program, and just to empower women and show them what is possible in STEM. Right. And you can have a hand in it. Just because you're a girl, that doesn't mean you can't go into mathematics. That doesn't mean you can't go into science. That doesn't mean, you know, and these are all things that women right now are having a hard time with like if you look at some of the different twitter hashtags and things like that like when girls were talking about being in the lab and some scientists have said well women are distracting and so you saw all these female scientists start tweeting pictures of themselves in everyday lab gear they're not attractive i'm sorry there's nothing attractive about a hood well, and some goggles and some gloves well speak for yourself but do you know what i'm saying like yeah, and, and yeah. so you know we're but if you're not there you're at the lab to work you're not there to right. do that if you're if you're there and you're thinking about that clearly you're not paying attention to your work well right. and i also think right. that yeah. there and, and I, I read this a lot of women especially in stem and in you know math in those in labs will purposely not dress attractively so that people don't Notice assume that. that oh well because you're a woman and you know the, and you're dressed in you know your your heels and because you wanted to look cute today that you don't you're not supposed to be there or you're not, you're not serious or not serious about it yes you know it's um it's, it's, it's why can't they be pretty and serious well the thing is that this never happens with I have never had that happen whenever I would go to work and I would be dressed up for some event that I was having afterwards. If I was, you know, maybe going out to dinner with a girlfriend and I decide, well, I'm going to be at work and immediately go there afterwards so I should put on something really nice, like a very fancy suit. No one ever says, no one ever looks at me and goes that way. It's always, wow, you got dressed up. It's always nice accolades or compliments, but never never the other side of, 
you know, are you sure you really want to wear that? Yeah. You yes. Know, yes. You know, clearly, you just want attention. So are you sure that's appropriate? No, like, it's always, you must have a job interview. Someone must be looking at you. It's always right. this it's, high level crapola, but it, it never happens. I, I, I don't see that happening on the other side. It's always what you just talked about. It's always yeah. what you're distracting. You're causing a problem by what you're wearing. And it's like, right. but that, I don't see that happening anytime and it's complete and utter bullshit I mean well that's what made yeah. me excited about seeing this and then the strong women the female army right the door you know and what a lot of people don't realize is <clears throat> a lot of the American Indian tribes <laughs> a lot of them are matriarchal like the right. tribe that I grew up when I grew up in Niagara Falls New York for those of you who don't know have watched the show and the Tuscarora Indian Nation is in that area and they are a matriarchal society um, Cinderella Printup was the chief for years, you know, and it was, it was interesting having that dichotomy growing up because I knew a lot of <clears throat> the people from the nation, you know, we went to school together and things like that. And the way they thought and the, the way they looked at different things was really interesting to get that perspective so young where if you don't have that, you don't know about that. Right. And so it's always the patriarchy, the patriarchy. You have to sh sit down, be quiet, shut up. You're a woman. You know, you have to be nice. And um, <clears throat> to see the, the, their strengths celebrated. Right. And to see them given the accolades that they deserved and the respect and the esteem that they were held in. It was so empowering and wonderful and amazing and I'm just like oh my gosh imagine if we looked at all women this way what the world could achieve right they could when stop we were together look. I know right. she could stop writing with look right when she said I you will not <laughs> but I think the last thing that I want to talk about when I, in regards to Black Panther is why it was important um, and this has nothing to do with the movie itself, other than the fact, you know, we all can sit here and agree that it was a great movie. Amazing, wonderful. Um, Go see it if you have not seen it. I mean, I for the four people who have seen it. Who I seen it. We're from six to four. I mean, because since then, there have been two more showings of Black Panther. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, they paused the podcast. I'm going to go, I gotta go right now. Come back to it, yeah. But, you know, for, for you three, <laughs> um, you know, what's important about it is, you know, A, it's that representation. It's seeing, you know, seeing someone who looks like you in a position of strength in a position of power i think a lot of times you know it's really difficult for because i had someone say oh i thought it was a great movie but i don't understand what the big deal about it is and i think that it's when you're so used to seeing superheroes and people who look like that look like you that you don't that you miss when it looks like someone else like it's because it's commonplace so if You've always had Wonder Woman, and you've always had Superman, and you've always had, you know, Spider-Man and Thor, and you know these, the, and they've looked like you. That's something that you, you're like, you know, when you're playing make believe as a child, you can be like, I'm Superman, and I'm, you know, Thor, and I'm this, and I'm that. But like little black kids, if some they were playing, someone's like, you're, well, I'm Superman. Well, you can't be Superman because Superman is white. He doesn't look like you. Now they have, well, I can be Black Panther, or you know, I can be, and little girls can say, well, I can be Shuri. You know, and you know that now there is a there is a uh, a people that they can be. They can they can say this is well. I want to get into 
you know, the STEM program because look at Shuri, or I want to learn to do this because look at what these people did. I want to take martial arts. Right. Just look at the... Because T'Challa, you know, is out here flipping over cars and shit. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> I want a shield blanket. <laughs> you know, it's, the, it's that, that, just that, and it, it seems like it's something small, especially to us as adults, you know, because we've lost that sense of kind of um, wonder. Uh, imagination. And imagination. But kids have it. You know, so they're one of the greatest things that I've ever seen. Believe. Put made a tear to my eye. I was watching. There's a video that was going around Facebook right after the premiere, and it was these two little black boys, and they were, you know, pointing out who they were, you know, on the the, the film, and it was just like, this is what it's about. This is why it's important. You know, because now they, these kids finally have some have something that they can look up to, or they see themselves on a screen that isn't. You know, a drug dealer or a prostitute or a you know a thug, and I hate that word. Sorry, um, sorry. it's fine. I just, I just, I hate it. All the typical tropes. The tropes, you know, the magical Negro who just comes and saves the white person's life. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you, it's, like, huh? it's a, it's a. We've talked about it before. It's a trope. It's, it's a trope. Total, yeah. Like every Vance? Yeah. Like Bagger Vance, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but like, there's this, this, or the Mammy, or you know, that yeah. you don't have any. These are these were fully fleshed out characters who made good choices and bad choices, and you know you rooted for them, and you know and you were you know when you know when when T'Challa you know got his ass whooped twice because he did. Wait now he got his ass whooped no. two, two no. times. What? Those times, no. two times. Because time. boot, boot that ass, beat that ass, and I'm no, saying No, because he won that. No, no, he <laughs> tired him out, but he whooped that ass. Let's just be real. With that, things didn't look like <laughs> things were not looking good for your boy. Do you think he actually pretended, you know, to lose? Like, no, no I think he I was literally be getting his ass whooped. No, 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 no. I, I didn't do it. Not, not T'Challa. Oh, but Killmonger or no, oh. to. Yeah, I think yeah. he. I think he just pretended because he done. he didn't seem very like really wanted to do it. He's like, okay, I'll just do this. You know, this will you know go into it. and then like because later on he's literally offered like here's. The, here's this powerful stuff you can take. Please take this. We're, we're really asking. We're desperate. He's like, no, no, no. He's on ice back there. You can give it to him. Right. You know, he didn't like, really no. want it. T'Challa <laughs> got his ass with twice. It is what it is. He's still king. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he, he's he, the one. He survived. He survived. <laughs> but he survived, though. He didn't die. He didn't die. He got thrown off a waterfall, and he didn't die. Yeah, so we... Again, I'm only going to give him... One good ass whooping. He go, you you gonna have to give him half because he took at least half of ass. <laughs> that but you know he's for the two people who left. We had to see it go and vote. <laughs> you, yeah, you let Ooh, us know. Should poll. You should put that on. Your, do you think? Uh... Do you think Todd got his ass whooped twice? Yeah. <laughs> twice. It was a once or twice because I personally think it was twice. And there are a group of people who also believe me, who are there with me. He got his ass whooped two times. It is what it is. He still came out on top. You know where it counts. He won. But no, no, twice. <laughs> <laughs> one good time. The one time when he was thrown over a waterfall, and you just never gonna let him forget it. <laughs> no, it is what it is. Well, you know what you were saying about the importance of the movie. I think another theme that I really loved that ran through it was the family. Yeah. You know, I mean, Angela Bassett. They. Oh my God. Okay, I. We yeah. could spend a whole episode on how Angela Bassett deserves an award for this, just this one yes. scene, and she may have had two lines. but she was amazing you know and just the family dynamic and showing like you said instead of a trope and you know it was an actual dynamic fleshed out 
all the characters were actual, all had dimension and right. depth and sides. And it was so fantastic to see that and them working together to bring back what they knew needed to happen. You know, it's just, oh, it was. And I, when Kilmore said, hi, auntie. auntie. Yeah. Like, I felt that in my spirit. I was like, you know what? That's the kind of, hey, auntie. Like, That's the kind of petty I like. But, okay, so we're hitting at about, uh, we're sitting at about 100, an hour and 20. And so I'm going to. We're gonna end it there. We're, will you come back before the end of the month and we'll yes. finish up the autism stuff? Because I think yes. that's a great idea. Absolutely. Uh, so Absolutely. be on the lookout for the cross podcast crossover part two. Sarah Lynn and Blue, thank you so much for coming. Thanks, Thanks for having awesome. me. Didn't mean to crash it. <laughs> it's fine. You know what? It is what it is. Um, and I didn't do this earlier, but I want to do it right now. It has been fourteen hundred and thirty-four days since Flint had clean water. Okay. How many hours was that? That equates to, because we looked it up, 34,416 hours. In the United States of America, I want to make this very, very clear. This is not a foreign country. This is not a third world country. Sorry, I'm throwing up air quotes. You know, third world country. This is in the United States of America. A city where they pay taxes does not have clean water. Are you really okay with... Come on. Seriously, are we okay with this? We're not... Well, the, the, those we're of not, us here are not okay no, with this, but, no, you know, not. I just want to make I mean, sure... It's a, it's but that, this is going... Until until their water is clean, every episode we're going to highlight how long it's been since they've had clean water because this is a problem. And it's... It's Normally disgusting. we live... Normally we try to end on a happy note, but I just wanted to make sure that y'all are aware of that. And on that note... <laughs> My name is Jason, and this has been Casey Caffeine, and... I'm Leo Jones, and this has been Neurologic. You guys have a great night, and stay woke, folks.